Luke chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, otherwise you follow on your screen. Are you ready to receive the word? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, because Martha's mentioned first, we presume that she's the eldest in the family. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was so distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I love Jesus' answer. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let us pray. Lord, as we commit your word to our hearts this morning, I pray that you would ignite in us uh, that one better thing, that we might become disciples that are worthy of the name of Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus and his disciples arrive at this village, which John's gospel tells us is Bethany, is in Bethany, where John also tells us they lived with their brother Lazarus, the guy that Jesus raised from the dead, and God willing, we'll look at that next week if I don't have a go at Halloween instead. (laughs) Now, Bethany in Jesus' time was much like it is today. It's a suburb, basically, of Jerusalem. You'll find the small town on the eastern slopes of Mount Olives, Mount of Olives, just outside Jerusalem, kind of on the west bank. When they arrive here in Bethany, a woman named Martha opens a house to Jesus. We're not sure. The Bible doesn't tell us how many disciples went in with her. We're presuming all the disciples uh, that had been around when he shared the story of the impossibly good Samaritan. We presume they went into the house because of Martha's extreme agitation and uh, desire to provide what needed to be provided. But the scripture is not clear. It doesn't say that. That they were all in there, just speaks about Jesus and Mary and Martha. Also, from John's Gospel, we read of a special love that existed between Jesus and these three. We are to presume as well that this is a relatively well-off family because this is the Mary who took that alabaster jar, alabaster being something like marble, and broke it. And the Bible tells us that it was worth a day's wages, I mean a whole year's wages. So it was a a hugely expensive anointing that Mary was involved in a little bit later, and we'll get to that story. We are introduced here to Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. This isn't just a description of where in the room she's sitting. It's got to do with the posture of her heart. To sit at someone's feet was a technical expression used in ancient times to indicate an intimate relationship between rabbi or master and student or learner. 
for example, in Acts 22.3, the Apostle Paul tells us he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who happened to be an esteemed rabbi in Israel. Now, this was interesting because this was Mary. She wasn't a wannabe woman. She was born woman. She was fully woman, <laughs> unlike what we see today. <laughs> but she lived in this male-dominated world. But she's a student. She's a disciple. The Bible says she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. So here's this master or rabbi, student, learner relationship. And this was, this was scandalous. It was profound indeed. In, in that culture, the rabbis would have taught that teaching a woman was a total waste of time. And here Jesus' affirmation of, G, of Mary's posture reveals his acceptance of Mary as a genuine disciple. Jesus, I see, breaking the mold here, the mold that woman had been shoved into, and he welcomes women to learn at his feet. Completely anti-culture. I often wonder if this isn't what the Apostle Paul was speaking about in 1 Timothy 2.11, where he says a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. And we focus on the quietness and full submission, but we miss the bit about should learn. A woman should learn. So even the Apostle Paul endorses this concept. And in, in, our, in our concept, our context, it doesn't make much sense. I mean, our, our women learn, and our women are educated, and our women do everything. But in the context of the day, this was revolutionary. It's significant, I think, that every time we encounter this Mary of Bethany in the Gospels, she's at Jesus' feet. So here, she's at Jesus' feet. When her brother Lazarus dies, she finds herself at Jesus' feet. And when she anoints Jesus uh, before his death in John 12, she, we find Mary at Jesus' feet. So this is her constant, ongoing attitude of heart. She's at his feet. So here we find Mary... In quiet submission to Jesus' instruction, we also see Martha becoming distracted and irritable because there's work to be done. The word here, distracted, literally means to be pulled and dragged in different directions. Martha's distraction leads her to a sense of aloneness and self-righteousness and self-focus. And she starts questioning Jesus' actual care. Look at how she becomes inward looking. There's disbelief here. Martha asks, don't you care? She, she can't believe it. There's work to be done. There's stuff to do. Jesus, don't you care? And then she dismisses her sister by not even naming her. Depersonalize her. Like, my sister. As though Mary's not even there. You know, tell my sister. And then she tries to defend herself. She's left me to do the work by myself. I've got to serve alone. Got any Marthas yet in the church this morning? <laughs> 
distracted. I'm going to do it. This is the best for me. She demands Jesus, the Lord of the universe, tell her to help me. She instructs him, tell her to help me. She desperately tries to control the situation. And Jesus, I'm all alone. Come on, Jesus. I tell you something. This is one irate auntie that you don't want in a church kitchen. (laughs) I think we've had a few of those in the past years. I just love Jesus' tenderness. He lovingly and tenderly responds. And the language is so clear. Martha, Martha. It just speaks of of such compassion and heart. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In Martha's mind, she seems to have no choice but to serve alone with much worry. Jesus reminds her, Martha, you do have a choice. Martha, you can spend time doing the one thing needed or necessary from which all else flows. Now, if we just read the story like this, it it might seem to want to invite us, challenge us to either be a Mary or a Martha. But I don't think so. There's a a clue here for me uh, in verse 39 that's often left out of the translation, and I'm hoping yours hasn't left it out. And I read the passage again. It's a little word in the Greek, kai, and it means also. The translation I read to you this morning left it out, and I did that on purpose. But let's read a more literal translation. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him, and she had a sister called Mary, and here it is, who also, having sat or sat at the feet of the Lord, listening to his word. I think that's the key here, you see. The story is about Martha. Martha opened her home. Martha was sitting, and it's almost like Mary was a byproduct. Because Mary also sat. Martha was there. But obviously not for long. And she was more interested in what was to come than what was happening. Sitting and learning and listening at the feet of the master. I love that Jesus doesn't condemn Martha. And he doesn't pit the sisters against each other. See, the sisters are not called to either sit or to serve. They're called to do both. But the sitting is better to start with. As disciples, we are called to both abide or remain in him and to bear fruit. (laughs) There's not much point in just sitting and not bearing fruit. We're called to do both. So that's the order that we don't want to mess up. We first sit and then then we serve. We first sit. We first find everything we need. We first glean the discernment, the clarity, the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to do the serve. 
that He's called us to do. Often in our desire to follow God's call by serving with everything we have, we easily become overcome. With, with be over, we are easily overcommitted. We overcome with all of this extra stuff we have to do. Worried and troubled by many things. Distracted, pulled apart in every direction. I mean, we live in a culture that celebrates multitasking. Jesus is not asking us to multitask. He's asking us to do that better thing. Because the time will come after the better thing to serve. We hear Jesus' words. We receive and absorb his love. These words remain in us. Then we get up and we go and cook. I want to share with you four reasons why you should make sitting at the Lord's feet Listening to his word, the main priority in your life this morning. Lesson number one. The word provides with us, for us, everything we need. Everything we need. The very wisdom of God. Everything we need for anything that will happen in the kitchen that day. Jesus wants to share with us. All of life's problems, all of life's quirks and decisions and directions. And you might think, well, it would have been wonderful to be able to sit at Jesus' feet like Mary did. Well, I've got good news for you. You can. (laughs) And you should. And you must. We all have this inspired word of God available to us every single day. And how often don't we neglect it? We are too busy There are things to do and people to see and places to go and breakfast to make and kids to get ready and Lord, why have you left me alone? All we've got to do is sit and do that better thing like Mary, like Martha probably started doing before she became distracted. Second Peter says his divine power has given us everything. Say everything. See, that encompasses everything. Do you not understand? I've got a difficult boss. You don't understand how bad my employees are. You don't understand what's going on in the life of my child. You don't understand how bad my parents are. I don't. But he does. His word has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them those great and precious promises that you find in his word that you have sat at his feet and listened to. Those great and precious promises through which you participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. All scripture, 2 Timothy 3 says, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Some people want to throw away the Old Testament. Some people want to throw away the New Testament. Some people want to just take the whole of scripture. It's breathed by God. 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Who doesn't need that before you start the day? Who doesn't need that before you go into that difficult meeting? Who doesn't need that before you've got to tackle this issue that you've never had to deal with before or that you hate doing? Thoroughly equipped. Mary was thoroughly equipped. Martha wasn't even equipped to serve a proper meal. As distracted as she was, as busy as she was, she wasn't equipped to do that for Jesus. I mean, she might have had all the ducks in a row, you know. She might have uh, set the oven to 180 or built up the coals or whatever she did. She might have thought she had it all together. But not according to the king of the universe. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like newborn babies, Peter says, crave pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. So God's word provides everything we need to live life as he would have us to do. Yet so many of us live as defeated believers. Defeated by sin, defeated by relationships, whatever it might be. Meet so many people, lives are a mess and joy is something only found in a bottle. And uh, it just goes on and on and on. But how often don't we neglect sitting at his feet? Where we're going to get everything we need. Let's learn from Mary's one thing. Start there and then serve. Second lesson I found in this little passage for myself is simply that the word enables communion with God Almighty. It enables it. It's through the word that we communion, we fellowship with the Savior. Do we even understand how amazing that is? Do you even realize the privilege you have as a human being to commune with the God of the universe? One whose holiness and rightness and righteousness is beyond anything our little fleshy brains could ever determine or understand. He invites us to commune with him. And we do that through his word and by his spirit. I mean, this is a one-on-one with the master of the universe. And we have another exactly like Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us. He is there to explain the scriptures, to enlighten them to us, to communicate with them to us, to commune with us. The spirit of truth, the counselor, our comforter, God with us and God in us. And as we read his word, as we absorb it, as we chew on it, as we make it part of us, Empowered by his spirit, we are then able to begin to live it in real-time communion with him. Friends, when you open up your Bible later today or tonight or tomorrow morning, sit at his feet. He lives in you in that naos, in that most holy place, in your heart. And commune with him. 
Paul, Paul, you are so worried about so many things. Yes, Lord, I am. So just go for the better thing. Just sit at his feet. Just worship him. John 6.63 says, The Spirit gives life. Flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. It's through the word we get to know him, through the word that we commune with him. And it's not something surreal or spooky, the Lord told me, audible voice kind of stuff. This is soaking in the word, empowered by the spirit, bringing life and understanding to it. It's that kind of communion. And I think for believers, Jesus says, this verse is often used for unbelievers but for believers jesus says i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with him and he with me mary and martha did not go to jesus house he came to their house he wants to come to your house and he stands and he knocks Martha opens, gets distracted. Mary just sits and receives. We need to remember that the point of spending time in the word and prayer is not so that we can check it off our list of things to do. This is just something I've got to to read the Bible, I've got to pray, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And it just becomes part of our whole task-orientated lives. No, no, no. Let's do that better thing. Meeting with him, communing with him, sitting at his feet and listening to his word. Third lesson for me from this passage is that the word puts all of life's pressures in proper perspective. Kind of realigns everything. Martha was stressed out by the pressure of preparing the meal for Jesus. Maybe she had even worried about it for days beforehand, matching her serviettes and her tablecloth and her cutlery in our language. <laughs> a white, nothing wrong with a white serviette, ladies. Nothing wrong with a white serviette. Men, can I get an amen this morning? Why you women have to have these pretty little flavored serviettes, I don't know. And the worst thing about your pretty... F- colored little serviettes, is you can't wipe your mouth on them. It's like wiping your mouth with plastic. (laughs) So she wanted everything to be right for the occasion. And because of her focus on the tasks, she ends up worried, being bothered about many things, blurting out an accusation against her Lord and against her sister violating, just by the way, the first two commandments that Jesus had just spoken to his disciples about in the verses before. If she had just taken time to stay with her sister at his feet, all of those things would have fallen into proper perspective. And this applies to us. It's so easy to allow the pressures of life to crowd in for us to get our focuses in the wrong place. But a few minutes spent in the word and in prayer takes care, let me tell you, of much. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Martha, leave the bread for now. Let's just focus on the word of God. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Psalm 119, 109, though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law, his word. I make this mistake. I constantly take everything into my hands. But the psalmist says, I will not forget your law, your word. So start with the word. It brings everything into perspective. And the last thought this morning, I get excited about this because I really believe that once the word is inside you, it will not be taken and it cannot be taken from you. Mary chose that good portion to dine at Christ's feet. She would still have that word from him long after that meal was over. When the guest had stopped complaining about your plastic-colored serviettes, Mary would still have had what Jesus had given to her as he sat at her feet. See, the word is that good part that cannot be taken from you. Absorb it and it stays. The Holy Spirit takes care of that. Jesus tells us in John 14, 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit whom my Father will send in my name will teach you all these things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It happens to me probably every day. I think a lot of the scriptures I learned were like King James. And then for a big portion of my life, most of my life, I learned it from the NIV. And now I'm kind of getting stuck into the Legacy Standard Bible, which is an improvement on the New American Standard Bible. So I've got all of these scriptures in my head. You think I can find them if I don't know the verse. But the Holy Spirit brings them to my mind. He never drops me. Lord, what do I do? And I get this impression. And, I mean, sometimes I've got to revert to all of my things, trying all different phrases, and, you know, and eventually you find the verse that you're looking for in the translation that you used to or whatever. But he never, ever abandons that word. He keeps it going and growing in our spirits. You see something on the news and the Holy Spirit gives you fresher news, you know. Somebody comes and tells you something, and the Holy Spirit reminds you of something better. All the time. All the time. Psalm 119 again says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Ever feel, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or ah, shouldn't have done that, or it's why? It's because you've hidden his word in your heart. He won't abandon you to yourself or to your flesh. Verse 12 says, Praise to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You can lose just about everything in life, but you will never lose the time you spend communion with the Lord. It is never wasted. Oh, but I'm going to be late. Late 
Light? What is light? I better not say that. If your contract says 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock, you make sure you're there before 8 o'clock and you leave after 4 o'clock. Can I have a nod from everybody in this place, please? Hmm. You can lose your job, your money, your possessions, your friendships, anything else. But you will never lose that time with Jesus. As Paul says at the climax of Romans 8, I'm convinced nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This one at whose whose feet Mary sat and absorbed. Nothing can separate us from his love. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not present, not future, not height, not depth, nor anything else in all creation. You will never lose that which you have hidden in your heart. The Holy Spirit will bring that word to you again. Living and active, as Hebrews 4.12 says, and it cannot be taken. So I encourage you, start as a Mary and do what needs to be done. The Word provides us with everything we need. Everything. You've got a difficult situation you're facing at home? Everything. You've got a problem at work? Everything. You've got a relationship issue, everything. It enables us through the power of the Spirit to commune with Almighty God. Wow. These are the worshippers he seeks, those who worship him in spirit and in truth. That's his word. The word puts all of life's pressures in proper perspective and it can never be taken from you. My prayer for each one of us is that we would be a Mary, not a Martha. A Mary who chose to sit, maybe break convention of the day, sit at the feet of her master has been priority love, priority importance before anything else happened. Do I suspect for a minute that Mary was trying to run away from the work? No. Do I suspect for a moment that Mary was ducking this so Martha could do all the work and she just pretended to be at church, you know? No, I don't. I've had that. I've had that excuse so many times. Abusive husbands who say to their spouses, you stay at home and look after the children while I go and serve the Lord in ministry at the church. That is abuse. That is Martha. Martha has gone to work at the church, not Mary. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. So Mary wasn't trying to get out of anything. She was trying to get into something. And that's what I invite each one of you. Is this... Is the spooky? No. Is it like whack? No. Just take that time if you've never done it before. Grab this precious book. Find a scripture and just let it soak into your bones and see what God can do. Amen.